0: Welcome back to the True Craft Podcast. Today's guest is the founder of a brewery with a built-in distribution company that helps other Iowa breweries distribute their beer throughout the entire state. We're talking with John Martin from Confluence Brewing Company out of Des Moines, Iowa. John explains the distribution company that Confluence has built over the years and the network of breweries that work with them, their early days of packaging sales and how that's changed up until now along with a look at their dad beers and the unique event that accompanies them. Alrighty, without further ado, let's get on to the episode. at That canning line really lit a fire in us. <laughs> beers for
1: everyone in society. In my opinion, the world's greatest social uniter.
0: There's no time in my life <laughs> that I didn't think, oh, this would be a good time for a beer. <laughs> hey, I want to welcome John Martin, co-founder of Confluence Brewing out of Des Moines, Iowa to the True Craft Podcast. Welcome, John. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. So you and I got to catch up a little bit before we we started recording, and we'll get to that conversation. But I want to learn more about the history of Confluence and uh, kind of where you, because you guys opened in 2012. I want to know kind of what it looked like in 2012 up to now, what it looks like today. Okay. Yeah. That's a great question. It's changed so much. You know,
1: when we opened in 2012, we were really the first uh, production brewery with tap room model in Des Moines, in the Des Moines area. So um, that was unique. And I felt like that was a good thing. I'd I'd seen it done lots of other places and enjoyed it that way. And that was my comfort level. And at the time, I think we were right in that 2000 brewery mark, you know, breweries in the U.S. and now Mm we're over 9,000. So um, I'm, I'm glad we opened then. It <laughs> would be a little a little more daunting trying to open now with so many breweries. But I think with the number of breweries that have grown, so has the following. So that's good news for everybody.
0: Sure. What size brew house did you open up with? 20 barrel. So probably a good. little small for the production
1: people out there that say, I mean, a, kind of an entry level is 30 barrel. But... We were also, you know, kind of looked at our market and said, for me it was, I think this is is doable. I think this is the amount of beer we can make and and sell. And so so far it's worked out pretty well for us. Do you still have that system or have you upgraded? Uh we still have it. We started with two vessel uh mash that tripled as a boil kettle and whirlpool, and then we had a separate lotter ton. So I always wanted the mash mixing capability step. Mm-hmm. Stepped mashes and things like that. Sure. Then we added a boil kettle and a whirlpool, and two years later.
0: Cool. What's your total capacity, fermentation capacity, or production capacity of the place? Well, in theory, we could
1: we could crank out about twelve to fourteen thousand barrels in this okay. facility with the tanks we have, but in practice, it it gets a little tighter during the. I mean, you're brewing sort of at a. 12,000 barrel level for a few months during the year, and then the rest of the year is, is less than that. Um, you know, when we're only brewing like 7,300 barrels in a year or selling that much, that's, um, you know, we're a lot of days, all the tanks are full. But, sure. um, you know, going into it, I was figuring like 25% lagers and 75% ales. And we're still at about 25% lagers, but then when we do a fruited beer, you know, it, it pushes it into that lager time frame in the tank. Mm-hmm. And so, we end up with maybe like a, a 60% ales and
0: 40% long fermentation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, that's what we typically see with a lot of the, the people we work with. So um, tell me, uh, I see in the notes here that, that Josh put together, I see that you guys started self-distributing and over the years have Built a, a small distribution company or distribution yeah. network, right? Yeah, we. Uh,
1: the state of Iowa allows us as a native brewery to, to distribute, and not just our own beer, but we distribute for our five other suppliers right now. We've had as many as like nine or ten, and during COVID, some of those dropped off. Some of them just weren't, you know, panning out for one side or the other, and so we kind of let those go. And so, uh, yeah, we we kind of have like a. Probably a two and a half hour radius. We go both sides of the state from Council Bluffs over to Davenport mm-hmm. and, and uh, up to Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Cedar Rapids, Iowa City. So wow. kind of a you know a lot of a lot of moving parts. But most of our beer is sold in the say twenty miles from our brewery. Sure. But uh, we get another about twenty percent out there
0: beyond. And I would imagine these are smaller, smaller suppliers, smaller breweries that are using your services. That's right. Yeah. You know, we've talked to a ton of people on the show. We've never talked to a brewery that has a distribution company. Were the smaller breweries able to pivot during COVID and put all that liquid in packaging? Did they have packet canning lines or what did that look like?
1: Yeah. uh, So two of them were, were kind of set up that way. Um, Actually, one of them, I think, pivoted during and got some mobile canning going. Mm -hmm. I think we had just picked them up and then, or maybe we picked them up during COVID. I've got to try to remember that. But another one we've had as a supplier for quite a while and they've been canning for a long time. Uh, We have a cidery that doesn't can and so they're draft only and that that really kind of hurt them. Oh, yeah. That was tough. And, um, yeah, so a a little bit
0: of everything. <laughs> um what did did your distribution company experience the ramp up in demand for packaged products that every other part of the country did absolutely yeah definitely and it was it was it was going everywhere right they were they were stacking yeah. cases everywhere <laughs> right yeah so we had you know obviously a ton of beer that was already
1: in in draft, and so can't do much with that. I think there was right. one batch that we literally pushed back into the bright tank and, and canned it because of one reason or another but um yeah we just we were able to pivot quickly and just start packaging everything and we had a little bit still going through our tap room but not much in the way of draft you know like filling growlers but for the most part it was like our tap room was selling tons of beer like yeah pallets and pallets
0: yeah. of your of your package product of our package product yes yeah yeah it was crazy you know it's funny speaking of crawlers uh i don't know if you've seen what happened what's happened to the crawler market but we we've just had some random conversations with people we work with and they've they've noticed that crawlers are are nearly dead like the right. yeah they're they're just not experiencing the crawler sales because they the mindset and the shift to they have packaged beer all the time and yeah. and, and tons of it yeah. Whereas before they may have had one six foot cooler in the tap room. They have now, they have three nine foot coolers. They're stocked full of product. Yeah. And so the crawler kind of falls by the wayside.
1: Yeah. Well, we used to sell, before we got into canning, we sold the Howlers, the half growler Boston round. And we were, we were packaging about a thousand of those a week to sell to distribution. Mm-hmm. What, what are, so, I'm not sure what those are. What are no, they? So it's like a, it's a glass growler, but it's uh I've got one maybe not um
0: i have one it's got a plant in it but i'll show you oh yeah yeah i've seen those and and you were selling those in distribution right
1: yeah so we had a two head cast canning filler that we bought before we even opened and we thought yeah we're going into cans right away and right away we just were selling draft and there was just never enough draft to really motivate us to spend the money to can Mm -hmm. and so after being in business for like five years, we finally got to the canning stage. But the in between step was these half growlers, and we just modified that two head filler. It would do a CO2 purge and then a fill from the bottom up, and uh, worked great, you know. And that's how people got confluence at the grocery store for probably three years.
0: And so, uh, so they would just scan the cold box in the grocery store, and you'd see six pack, six pack, six pack, and you'd just see a glass. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we, we had, we started with just little like one inch by three inch labels, whatever. And we'd print those on the printer and, you know, put them on. And then we got fancy and we started rolling them on. And Mm -hmm. and we were buying literally like truckloads of growlers, these half growlers at a time. And we would, it was just ridiculous how many we were filling. Wow. And uh, so, you know, we appreciate everyone sticking with us through that because, you know, it was a good way for them to get the beer right, and um, they could get just about any brand. Almost everything would go into a growler, and so that was kind of neat because it was easy. It wasn't, um, you know, how it is to brand things and uh, right. how how expensive it is. And when you can just put the name of the beer on there, um, nothing fancy, people
0: get it, they enjoy it. So it's interesting. Some of our some of of my research and my findings talk about how to get recognized on a shelf or in a, in a cold box. And it's usually the 20 by 20 by 20. Some people say 20 by 20 by 20. Some people say 10 by 10 by 10, but basically you stand 10 feet back and you have a 10 foot by 10 foot box. And how easily can you pick out your brand? I would imagine with these glass looking things, (laughs) I mean, you just, you knew, you knew the brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, If you remind me after this, I'll send you a photo of, of a place I was at yesterday that has our cans and I wasn't 10 feet back, but you can tell me if we, if we passed the test or
0: not. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm not a marketing person. I just, I just take the information that I hear and share it, but I I can definitely, I definitely take a look. Um, What's one of the biggest challenges of the distribution company you have, if there are any challenges? You know, I think it's, Iowa is not the most popular place in the world, right? So I think
1: it's a state of about 3 million people and there's. 600,000 or so that live within 20 miles of our brewery, 20, 30 miles. So pretty, pretty dense where we are, which is good, but then just trying to get to other population centers, um, trying to be relevant. You know, we're taking out a van that has maybe two pallets worth of beer versus, you know, the, the big guys have a semi truck and they have, you know, 20 K 20 pallets of beer. Mm -hmm. And so, we're just distributing so much less in a, in a truckload, but you still have, you know, all similar costs, you know, we've got delivery drivers and the upkeep of the vans and just, um, it's, it's a definitely, um, a capital intense. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. With equipment and labor. Um, we do make money at it obviously, you know, but,
0: uh, it's, it's not the same margins as the top. Sure. Paper. Um, do your suppliers, the, the, the breweries you distribute for, do they have their own sales team or do you double up as a sales team for them?
1: So that's a little challenging some days. Um, one of them has a dedicated salesperson and, and over the years it's gotten better I would say but um, yeah, you know, two of them I would say are, are out there hitting the street pretty hard. Um, the other three not not so much and so you do what you can but this day and age, you know, the brewery sells the beer, right? It's it's the rep from the brewery that needs to be out there telling people about mm-hmm. it, getting the space. Um, obviously, we want to sell as a distributor as much product as we can, so we're trying to to make more facing spaces and things for all the packaged product. I would say draft is a little tougher to, um, you know, like just push, 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 do what you can in an account. And,
0: right. Yeah. I have this old saying that when you walk into a a, a bar a grill, a restaurant that has 8 or more taps, you can quickly tell who kind of owns that owns that tap because and who, who's 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 donated generously to that organization, to that to that or to that uh, establishment because you'll okay. they'll, they'll dominate 80% of the taps and then the other competitor will dominate maybe ten uh, percent and then the independents if they're lucky will get ten percent or maybe maybe two percent of one tap out of eight yeah yeah so have all at, these independents vying for one tap in that spot it's really um it's 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 tough it's really tough yeah. i i was at an
1: account yesterday um, i took over a sales route last fall last september um to the quad city so about two and a half hours away and just you know took it over because we didn't have the person and and just kind of been patient to get the right people in place and finally right. we're there. But, um, I had an account yesterday and the ladies, you know, the bar manager said, well, you know, we do deal with independence, but the big distributors have most of the space. We have like one or two taps out of, you know, say 12 to 16. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'll take what I can get, but you don't, you can, you don't you can, tell, me, you can tell me what your account was
0: offline. Cause my wife went to school at Augustana. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah yeah just yeah totally random. uh she's got a bunch of family up in in the Quad cities, in the Iowa side of the Quad cities, oh, cool and uh, ended up going to Augustana and um don't don't get many don't get many connections or references there, but whenever I visited, I visited her a bunch when she was in college, and it was um interesting place.
1: yeah, yeah, i really enjoyed getting to know the people, the place, you know, being able to tour around town now without my GPS. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this was in Muscatine.
1: So a little nice. further south, but yeah.
0: very, very good. Cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm always intrigued by breweries that have successfully started a distribution company because it it certainly helps them, right? There's there's some profit built into that that delivery right. uh, mechanism. Uh and then also I think it helps, I would imagine that you have uh you have a contract with your suppliers, but I would imagine it's is is it a marriage for life is it not a marriage for life like well so in Iowa it is it's it's the
1: the system where okay yeah it's um franchise sure. laws in Iowa so it is we we tell our suppliers you know if it's not going great for you it's probably not going great for us either and so we try to work work it out if it's you know we've released a, a few people um you know a couple you know, I hate to say too much, but there's usually some sort of compensation involved. Sure, and it depends on you know if they're going to move to another distributor. Obviously, um, you know we want to be compensated. If they're just pulling out of the market, it might be a different
0: conversation. Sure. So um, we try to be fair. But that—that's the way it is everywhere. It's—it's right? it's yeah. not like yeah, you—you've got to you, that organization needs to act like every other distributor acts, and, right? Um, uh, so on. Um, cool. So, so you, you said early on, you guys do about, you guys brew about 7,300 barrels a year, something in that range, 7,500. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's what we did last year and, uh, 19. And we were hoping to grow through 20 and, you know, obviously that didn't happen, but getting back to 19 levels last year felt, felt okay. You know, and good. We, we beat 19, by like four barrels on the books. Oh, wow. Just a a slight increase. And we're hoping to get to 8,000 this year. That's not, you know, like astronomical growth or anything, but I think
0: for. Well, I was so, talking to you, a colleague yesterday who serves the beer industry, and he's like, we're just looking for Nike swooshes. It sounds like you're a Nike swoosh, right? So 19 yeah. was up here, 20 was down, and then 19, and then 21 yeah. was back up. So you're moving in the right direction, right? Given right. Giving everything. Right. Of those 7,300 barrels, w- w- what percent is sold in wholesale versus tasting room? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I think it was um uh, volume wise calculator out here, but it's
1: in the twelve to fifteen percent range in our tap room. Okay. So it's
0: nice. uh, and a decent amount of beer to go still. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I was looking at your website, y'all don't have any like permanent food, do you? You do you? not. It's food <clears throat> trucks and that's been a topic for the last couple of years. on
1: do we go ahead with food now?
0: Sure. Uh, uh,
1: yeah. It's a we should if it was if I was just a business person and I just hired people to do everything and anything that it would be it would be done already but it's also um, some involvement from me. It's going to take you know some of my time effort every day to make that happen just to work with the manager that runs that piece right.
0: to execute it well. Nice nice nice. What were you doing before you were brewing? I was a construction project manager
1: for a, a general contractor slash construction manager.
0: So have some of those skills transferred over into repairs and maintenance and yeah. And- <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, back in the late nineties, you know, mid nineties, probably from like 1990 to 98, I was uh, either, you know, working high school uh, during the summers, working for a carpenter. And then during college doing the same thing. And then I had my own business for about three years. And then I, um, started working for this uh contractor construction manager and had a 13-year career with them starting as superintendent and then went into the office and kind of worked my way up to the project manager position so um yeah that's served me super well you know other people have other skills that i'm sure serve them well but as far as like budgeting a project and even being able to execute a decent amount of it uh that's that's helped save us
0: some dollars nice that's great that's very very good uh let's talk about this dad this dad series can we call yeah. it a dad series or is it what, it's the 50s dad yeah 50s series i guess we didn't really have a series until this year okay tell, tell me about the uh the 50s dad series and then the brunch there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool cool things going on here yeah so
1: we have a beer called milkman milk stout and on that label is my father in law. He was, he's from southern Minnesota, like Southeast Minnesota, grew up on a dairy farm. There's a picture of him as a young man, you know, like with milk, please delivering. And so um, it started with that beer. And, you know, probably as early as like, I don't know, 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there, we started barrel aging it. And we did a few different variants that had vanilla bean, cocoa nibs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, our production manager, Josh Maxton helped us kind of make that into, you know, like brand that thing. And uh, his name for it was 50s Dad. And it's, you know, bourbon barrel aged milkman with cocoa nibs, uh, vanilla bean, and coffee. And, you know, the image on the, the can or the bottle is uh, a 50s dad sitting down on a breakfast table with the newspaper. He's got his coffee mug there. He's got a little bourbon that he's putting into it and nice. chocolate chip pancakes. So yeah it's just uh, kind of a fun thing Um, it's not you know an an imperial stout it's not a 12 percent or this clocks in around seven and a half eight percent and so over the years we've we've worked on that beer Um, you can't just put milkman in a barrel and expect it to turn out right so you need to to make a little heavier milkman so it survives the barrel well and for some reason that beer just doesn't do well in a barrel we end up with a lot of infected barrels so 2020, we had um, it was 2021. So it's whatever age during 20. Turned out it was we all blended it all together. It didn't taste right. We had to dump it. We couldn't do anything with it. Although we did take a few barrels and put blueberries with it and made a sour project that we'll see how that turns out. That might be that might be a mom project. Um and then oh, that's funny. yeah. So we we uh, changed our process a little, added some more IBUs to the beer steamed the barrels, did everything we could to try to limit infection. And uh, this year, out of 16 barrels, we harvested three. Mm. So we got enough to have this 50, 50s dad brunch that we've been dreaming about. And so we had some uh, bombers and some draft. And then because we had so little, we kind of pivoted quickly and said, let's make a fresh version, which we, we named Rad Dad. So it's a uh, fresh and hip, right? And yeah, yeah. Rad Dad. And uh, so that's the non barrel aged version of this beer. And I think that turned out amazing. The cacao nibs, um, the vanilla bean, the coffee. You know, we work with, with the local roaster on the
0: coffee. So <laughs> fun stuff. What you're describing, the flavors, the ABV, the whole situation sounds just delightful, man. I, yeah, I love a stout. I'm not a fan of the 12 percenters they just, they get to me, they get, they, they, they hit me a lot harder than, but I do really enjoy like a seven to 8% stout with all those notes you're talking about. Just really delightful. Send
1: me your address.
0: Okay. (laughs) We'll get you some beer. Yeah. Rad dad. I love it. I love it. Do you have kids yourself? I do. Okay. We have seven. Oh, (laughs) you didn't read that on the website.
1: That's the like, Most people meet me and they're like, Oh, you have seven kids. So pop. That's like,
0: dude, we have three. Uh, what, what's your age range? We, uh, the oldest is 25 and the youngest is 11. Okay. We have three and our oldest is 12 and the youngest is just turned six. Okay. Yeah, so we're moving. We're certainly in the conversation phase, right? Everyone can have conversations, but we, we're still we're still in the. Uh, I don't think tantrum phase ever phase ever goes away. Tantrum phase. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited that we can have conversations, right? Whether some, yeah. whether those conversations are screaming or actually talking, right? As long as we you know we're across we're we're making sense to each other in a language we understand, then there you go. that's good. But uh, seven kids, whoa, why, how, how, what, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I'm from a
1: family of eight, so I'm second oldest of eight children, and uh, I don't know that I wanted a big family necessarily, I I liked my family, and my wife is from three, so she's older brother, younger brother, she's in the middle, Yeah, we kind of talked to like four, and we were, like the day we had the fourth, like literally that day, she said, I want another one and oh, i wow, like, okay. well yeah let's see you know how you feel six months from now or whatever and she still wanted one and so we went ahead and then i like to say that seven and eight or six and seven were just bonus kids because we at that point it's like this is what we're doing i mean at, sure. at four kids this is what we're doing right but at that <laughs> point it was like yep <laughs> and how would i live without any of them you know they're just wonderful people and I, I love them all. And so it would be, you don't know what you're missing till, till you live there. So, right. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's challenging, but uh, you know, the older three are mostly out of the house, either mm-hmm. in college or, or they work outside the home or whatever. And so the youngest four, we call that our second family because yeah, definitely. You know, the oldest of them is 17. He's a junior and then down to 11. And so you'll catch us, you know, watching movies together and going out to dinner together, and just sort of doing doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's uh, you know, I work a lot, so I, I definitely want to be home at night and, and all those things. And I am, but um, it's just it's nice. It's uh, they're easy too.
0: They're like uh, super easy. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I sometimes we we have a couple friends that are have chosen not to have kids and, and that's, that's fine. I sometimes envy them. Um, I would say that our kids equally are, are great and fun and hila- our kids are hilarious. Like they're, yeah. they're, um, they're really hilarious. Um, uh, and I guess in the grand scheme of things, they're easy as well. It could be, it could be a whole lot worse. They're easy. Um, but, uh, no, they're great. It's, it's, um, the laughter and the, the tears and the joy that we all experience is just great. It's just a good yeah, experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So let's talk about 2022 Confluence. What's in the works for you guys? Anything, anything big you want to discuss or talk about or the industry? Yeah. Yeah, we um, trying to come up with a Session Hazy
1: IPA. Sure. So we're not the only ones I know. But I think the market says that works for people. And uh, we're trying to do that. We have hop water that uh, this one doesn't have a label on it, but we're canning hop water now. Oh, cool. So this came off the line this morning as a low fill and I, I was going to pop it open, but I haven't yet. Is um, it your own recipe or are you contract canning it for somebody else? No, it's our own recipe. So got on the Internet and saw what the home brewers were doing that studied one of the big guys that's been doing it for a little while and did a couple of test batches during you know early 20s. And it's one of those things, you know, we, we'd like to do craft cocktails. We really don't want to do seltzers, but this hop water was kind of my thing that I said, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And eventually like it took us a year from doing the test batches to doing like a five barrel test batch. And then um, Josh, our production manager went through the, the classes with um, Cirrus or whatever to do the food safety because it's mm-hmm. it's not beer. It's a food product. Different. Sure. and so. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's not gonna, we're not gonna retire on hot water. I don't think, but.
0: So I ordered early on, I think it was a great idea, right? We, we always have a healthy amount of seltzer water in our house, non-alcoholic. And when I saw hot water come out, I was like, this, this is perfect, right? I'm going to get like yeah. a little bit of hot flavor. And, and so I ordered the one brand that was the big marketing machine, hot right. WTR. Yeah. And sixty eight dollars later, I had a twelve pack at my house. Whoa, <laughs> with with shipping and the whole deal, it was sixty eight bucks. Um, oh, wow, not expedited or anything. So um, each can was drank very carefully. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but at the end of the day, it was it was a great. Uh, it was good. Did I? I didn't feel. Um, are you adding CBD to yours or any, anything jazzy or just straight? Up no, and there's there's no sugar.
1: There's you know really yeah. nothing some citric acid to lower the pH and hops and that's really it and it's highly carbonated and it's uh I don't know it's one of those things like I don't drink seltzer water but mm. when I saw when I saw this hop product at liquor store I was like I want to try that and I tried it and I loved it and I don't have it all the time but I thought what a great alternative if you you know even in between beers you know it's kind of a nice refresher and I don't don't know so I don't know how many
0: breweries doing it
1: yeah yeah it's like I said it's not gonna um, help us retire you know but it's also like I said an NA product that's um, we have it on tap for free in our tap room right now just to give people a chance to try it it's not super expensive I think retail on this should be between you know $5.99, $6.99, 599 699 a four pack of 16 ounce cans. so oh nice. Um, it's affordable and uh, yeah we're just trying to get it out there. So so we've got that. We have um, pushing out into some further markets trying to get a little more presence like in the quad cities mm-hmm. um, and a few other places. Uh, you know 8,000 barrels we want we want to sell 8 thousand barrels this year so we're pushing hard for that.
0: Yeah. what's your view on non-alcoholic beer i'm not a fan i mean i i don't really look for it i don't
1: try it that often when i do i'm usually not blown away and that's right. just me being super honest with you um i think there's a spot for it i know that uh yeah, you know, there's the gluten-free market as well and uh honestly yeah actually i was thinking gluten-free when i said that um in a beer. I think the last one I had was a St. Pauli Grill like 25 years ago. <laughs> and that's a sad thing to say. But we do sell it in our tap room. We buy it. There's a brand that's available that we buy that people seem to like. And uh, I, I think if you like it, that's great. Um, I think the blue just, free beers are a little tougher to make. Taste. Do you sell a lot of it? Um, can I say the name of it or not? Probably yeah. not. Oh, Athletic Brewing. Sure, yeah. That's, whatever, that's I, what everyone sells.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, without looking it up, I'd say maybe not a case a week, but you know, somewhere half a case to a case a week, something like that. Maybe. And it's
0: in package, right? It's not. It in draft. is.
1: It's a can, so we can. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's a, a couple versions we carry. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah. But you don't. You don't. You don't project some. Big revolution where every brewery starts making non-alcoholic beer. I mean, the,
1: the devices border out there, right? You know, there's like dealkalizers and um, things like that. That you know, what I should do is go try some. I, I don't see us really going down that road, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe this is our answer. The hot water is as close as we'll get.
0: Yeah, I think I think the hot water is great. I think it opens the door for your for you to move into, uh, expand into a beverage company rather than, you know, j- just a brewery, which yeah. is what I'm seeing a lot. And then you can gauge the success and see if you want to take it further. or Yeah. I mean, kombucha, I, my
1: daughters make it at home when they're home mm-hmm. for the summer and I've tried it and it's like, wow, that's pretty good. So now I buy kombucha here and there and it's, there's, I think a good market for that. I think there's good margin in it, but we would need a separate space. I think just so we don't get too crazy on right. up everything
0: we have. Yeah, that SCOBY gets a little gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. home SCOBY gets gnarly. I can't even imagine what a SCOBY looks like in one of those, like, maybe it's like a three-barrel tank or something, or?
1: Yeah, yeah, probably like a a nightmare, like a, a, like a movie, a scary movie, you know? I know,
0: right? Like, it has legs and arms. <laughs> yeah, 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 and float, a lot of floaties. Yeah. Lots of floaties. <laughs> That's so funny. So I actually made kombucha back. I, w- I was doing a lot of non-alcoholic fermentation before getting into what I do. And it was primarily around sauerkraut and it's primarily around uh, a lot of kombucha. So I, w- I was, I was, I was doing yeah. that. And uh, I had a run of kombucha for about two years, really enjoyed making it and I would experiment. So I would just make the straight up stuff and I would, I would ferment it for, at least 10 days. I wanted, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be a little, little sweet, right? I wanted it to be a little, little kick to it. Yeah. Um, one time I stuck, I did beets, and beets was good. Yeah. One time I did ginger and okay. ginger was good. I put the beets and the ginger together and John, I had a, I had an out of body experience. I had yeah. like a, it was like this really intense, I don't, I don't know if it was a cleanse or a purge, but I started sweating and My heart didn't start racing, but I was just kind of like, what's happening to me? (laughs) Really? That's crazy. So
1: we are, we're making a a beet wizard. uh, And our wizard is our Goza series. So it's Kettle Sour Goza. Um, We did, you know, like a a cask of it. They tested out a couple casks and um, I never would have thought of putting beets in it, but I'm trying to remember if it has ginger as well. Or we might've done carrots and ginger together on something, but yeah, it's. Beets are not necessarily my go-to thing, but this is a it makes a beautiful beer. Oh, like beautiful. the head is kind of purplish, the body is just it just looked super good, and it tastes like I would drink a pint of it. I don't know that I'll drink much more than that, but other people in our our place are loving it. So
0: yeah. yeah. Well, well, beets and ginger both have those antioxidant properties, and I, I guess when you you mix them and you put them in with that. With that living, living yeah. gut mom, it just took me to a, a new place. <laughs> so was that like a, an hour long experience or more like a couple days or? No, no. It was like 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, it was 30 minutes. Yeah. It was a lot of sweating. It was a lot of what's happening to me. Yeah. No, no, no flashes, no, okay. no lights, but just like, okay, maybe I should go easy on the ginger next time or, or go easy on the beats. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, where can we learn more about Confluence Brewing? Well, you can go to
1: our website, Mm -hmm. which is confluencebrewing.com. And we have, you know, all the, we have a YouTube page. So you can see a lot about each week's release. We do, we've been doing this beer a week release for the last uh, three years. And, uh, you know, we got to like 45 one year. And then Josh was like, if we just organize this a little bit, we could have at least one beer a week. Released, and it's you know kind of a fun way for people to find our tapper and come out, check out the new beers. And so, um, that was going on during the pandemic, and a lot of people just loved coming and getting the weekly release. and uh, Last year, we did actually 108 different beers, um, we hit over 100 20 and wow. I think we had like 78 and 19. So, it's it's fun, it's fun for us, it's uh, you know, we told ourselves in 22 we're going to shoot for like 75 or 80 beers and then we get all these tack-ons you know that hey golf course nearby wants they're celebrating their 100th anniversary so they want a special beer for that so yeah we'll do that and then you know, you get all these things that kind of add up to we'll probably hit 90 to 100 again this year and
0: that's awesome
1: yeah it's a lot of work it's uh a oh i bet for everyone i mean Selling it is its own challenge, you know, but, like, the branding, the message, the package, all that stuff, it's just, like, and that's yeah, why yeah it's a joke. Josh, He's, he leads that charge, and I, I bless him for that, it's the work.
0: Do you have someone in-house that does all your label design?
1: Uh, we have someone outside that's been with us from the beginning, mm-hmm. 818 Design here in Des Moines, um, mm-hmm. Melissa Carlson and I got together right before. We opened, and she was. We knew each other from the construction world. Well. She worked for an architect firm, and um, actually, I didn't know her there, but we met at uh, one of these things, Jimmy Carter Happy Hour, that was mm-hmm. homebrew thing where we get to, you know, serve our beer once a week or a different homebrewer once a week. We'd go to L Eight Shop here in town, and um, so it gave, I guess, me the confidence to say people like this beer enough should I open a business and and we did, but I met her at the last Jimmy Carter that I did. And I told her we were out from the brewery and she and her, her friend, Rachel, um, you know, Melissa left her job first and started 818 and Rachel joined her and they've got quite a business now. And they, I tell people they're, they're the people that make us look cool. If we look cool at all.
0: So that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. With, with do, look, we doing over a hundred beers a year. Putting them in a package, that is no oh. joke. Oh, yeah. And they they help us through that. Like I said, Josh, he's really the leader, the, the champion of all that branding. And he's the production manager. Yep. So. I forgot to ask you one last question. Do you plan on selling your hot water direct to consumer, like on the website?
1: I uh, hadn't really considered it, but it's not alcoholic, so we could. Yeah. I mean,
0: i will definitely consider it yeah it's called are, good what are the dtc laws in iowa, iowa are there can you there you can't yeah uh, we so. can't ship it via would be fedex UPS, whatever yeah yet working on that but not there yet yeah they it's did. such a shame i mean it's such a shame i i think if 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 the rules just oak, floodgate open tomorrow i mean it would be you know, you still have your. Think about wine, right? You still have your major, major vineyards, right? That are moving major, major volume, and then you have all these smaller vineyards that get a chance to sell packages and, and right. memberships, and it's so. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There should be parity there in the laws. I mean, it's yeah,
1: but yeah, I don't know if Iowa, if we can ship wine or not from Iowa, but it's really the state controls that.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, as part of the guild we we work to try to improve those laws. Cool.
0: Yeah. All right, John, look, man, I appreciate it. I enjoyed talking to you. This is a great 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 session. Nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you you too, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Send send me your address and we'll try to get you some rad dad and fifty
0: dad Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See you, buddy. Yeah, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Craft Podcast. Links to cool information about our guests and other fun facts can be found in the show notes. The show is produced by Josh Barnhart and sponsored by Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is the premier financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. We help craft breweries grow profits through outsourced accounting, tax compliance, and growth consulting. Visit SB Standard today to learn more and request a discovery call with the team. Peace out.